Good morning to all of you. And happy Mother's Day again to your mothers. I thought briefly um, of trying to preach a Mother's Day sermon and then decided against it. Um, but if all of you children and you husbands listen carefully, um, maybe this will make mothers happy uh, also. Um, so I decided to talk about another topic that's been going through my mind lately, and that is um, dealing with difficult relationships. Um, so we all know that good relationships make life enjoyable and a pleasure, and strained relationships make life just pretty miserable. Um, and I don't have to remind you probably that our relationships with each other uh, matter a lot to God. Um, in First John 4, uh, John says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God because God is love. And we see this idea uh, throughout the New Testament that our love for each other and our love for God are very connected. Um, we can't really separate those two relationships, although uh, this morning um, I want to focus on our relationships with each other. Um, when Jesus was asked by a Pharisee what the greatest commandment was, he said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets come on these two commands. And so, um, basically half of um, all of the law and the prophets is related to this idea of how we, re- we relate to each other. Um, and when I started looking at this, um, I started finding some scriptures that talk about this, and and then I started finding more, and after a while I felt like maybe I had waded into the shallow end of the pool and at some point slipped off into the deep end and um, had more uh, scriptures and ideas than I knew how to make sense of. And it all gets a little bit confusing. Um, when we think about relating to each other and difficult relationships, you know, there are offenses, things people do against us. There are uh, sins. There are people um, outside the church, enemies. Um, there are people, uh, that's the wording that Jesus uses. There are people in the church, brothers in the church. Um, and, and then there's, even in the church, there's, uh, according to First John, there's sin that does not lead to death and sin that does lead to death. And... Um, you know, sometimes we're told not to judge. Sometimes we are to judge. And uh, how do we make sense of all of this? Um, we've probably all heard of uh, cure-alls or um, home remedy books. Um, I'm guessing John has some opinions on those, maybe. Uh, I tend to be a little skeptical. You know, books that can cure everything from headaches to heartburn and a lot of other things. Um, but, you know... I'm impressed when I read these scriptures. Um, the Bible really has the answers for um, whatever ails us. Like the, the answers are here. Uh, it's not always easy to make sense of it all, but um, we have we have the answers. Second Timothy two 
I'm sorry, 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 says, All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the work the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Um, so, so we have what we need uh, to face these problems. Um, and we're going to try to, I won't, uh, I'll just scratch the surface here, but I hope to pull out a few things that I think are clear in helping us to know how we deal with difficult relationships in our lives. Um, you know, what do we do when we find ourselves in, a, in relationships that are marked more by frustration, suspicion, and mistrust than love, loyalty, and laughter? What should we do when someone's behavior uh, makes it really hard to trust them or respect them? Uh, earlier, I was going to the Sermon on the Mount uh, in my messages, and then when John D. Martin came, I decided, well, I'll drop that because he covered a lot of that. So I, I started on this topic and then ended up in Luke 6. You can turn there, which is really uh, Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount. So maybe I will continue, uh, at least for a bit here. So Luke 6, verse 27, is where we'll start. And we'll read um, most of the verses down to verse 42. And in the first section, Luke 6, 27 through 36, is Jesus teaching how we should relate to our enemies, okay? And then at the end of this section, uh, verses 41 through 42, uh, he's talking specifically about how we relate to our brother. And in between, I'm not sure who he's focused on, and maybe it really doesn't matter, because it seems like in this first section, Jesus basically raises the bar for our behavior toward our enemies up to the level of, of how we're supposed to treat our brothers. Now, clearly there are differences. Um, Paul talks about that later, about judging those in the church versus those out. Um, but there's a lot of similarities here between the way we're supposed to treat our enemies and our brothers. So let's just read uh, Luke 6, 27 uh, and 36. But I tell you who hear me, Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others if you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father it's merciful. These first few verses, 27 through uh, 31, Jesus basically gives uh, the commands how, how we're supposed to relate to enemies. And then in the next few verses, 32 through 36, 
he kind of gives the justification or the reason why this is the way you need to treat your enemies. And I would say um, our brothers too. Uh, so when we find ourselves in a difficult relationship, um, there's basically three things that I think we should do. And when I first started looking at this, I was thinking, okay, how do we go about confronting somebody who does something against us or has a problem? And then I was, as I was looking at this, I, I came, and it seemed clear to me that there were some things that come before confronting a brother. And, and so I want to look at um, kind of three steps to approaching these kinds of relationships. The first is to look inward at ourselves. The second is to uh, lead by example. And then the, the third one is to confront um, the brother. So, starting with looking inward um, from these verses here, um, what is my attitude uh, towards someone with whom I have um, a stressful or tense relationship? Do my actions reflect an attitude of love? Um, Jesus says here that we are to love our enemies, do good to them, pray for them, and then and give to them. And if we don't, I mean, if we, uh, if we only love those who love us, we're really no better than sinners. Uh, it's not so much our best relationships that show how much of a uh, son of God we are, but it's our worst relationships. Um, here at the end, he says, if you, uh, if you do this, love those who, who don't love you, do good to those who don't, won't be good back, lend to those who will not repay you, um, then your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. Because that's the way God is. He's ungrateful to the wicked and he's merciful. And to really be like God, that's how we have to treat other people. Um, and First uh, Corinthians 13 uh, just gives us really clearly what, what does love look like? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Um, sometimes love can be a little bit of a uh, hard-to-pin-down attitude. You know, I know I'm supposed to love this person. I'm supposed to love everybody, but do I really love them? Um, and so sometimes maybe we need to take that next step here um, of doing good to them. Um, put the love into action. And, and then maybe we can more clearly tell whether we really do love them or not. And the third um, thing mentioned here in these, in these first verses is pray for them. Pray for those who mistreat you. When John D. Martin was here, he made the comment that a barrier between you and your brother is a barrier between you and God. 
And I think that's true. And when we, when we pray to God for somebody with whom we're having some kind of difficulty, um, that brings back into focus that they are, um, that they have a relationship with God too. They have a soul. They have spiritual needs. And um, it takes our focus somewhat off of our own tension and our own frustration, perhaps. And um, 1 John 5, 16, and 17, uh, that's where John says that if you see a, if you see a brother um, sin, you should, you should, well, let's just turn there. Um, 1 John 5, 16, and 17. He says, if you see a brother sin, you should pray for him. If anyone sees his brother commit a sin that does not lead to death, he should pray and God will give him life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I am not saying that he should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin, and there is a sin that does not lead to death. So, I don't understand everything there. I'll admit that. Um, perhaps, perhaps he is talking about um, offenses. I don't know. Um, when Johnny Martin was here, he talked about um, sin as really selfishness at its root. And we all have um, little moments of selfishness throughout our day, probably. And um, we probably shouldn't be jumping on each other, um, pointing out every little flaw we see in each other all the time. Um, Sometimes things that need to be overlooked. Um, sometimes maybe we could just pray about them. Um, that God would, would help a person who seems to be struggling in an area. But then there are serious things that need to be addressed. And, and maybe that's the distinction uh, John is making here. I don't know. But one thing I, I do think is clear, um, we should pray. And if it's not worth praying about, it's probably not worth being troubled about and um, being frustrated about. So, make sure we're, lo- make sure we're loving, um, really loving, some, loving those with whom we are struggling with in relationship. Let's make sure we're really doing good to them. And let's make sure that we are taking uh, it to God and, and praying for them. You know, think about the best relationships in your life. Uh, those you most enjoy being, people you most enjoy being with. Um, and then think about the worst, the most stressful, most difficult ones. And how does your attitude, or how does my attitude differ when um, in these two relationships, um, in these two situations? Do I have the same desire for each person's well-being in both situations? Do I look for ways to please uh, people in both situations. Do I give compliments uh, in both situations? Obviously, um, we will only confide in those with whom we have strong relationships. Um, there are some things like that that um, we can't do with those with whom we have um, weak relationships or difficult relationships. Um, but I want to remind us again. That, that our, our ability to 
treat those who make um, it difficult, our ability to treat them with love and um, goodwill and look at their best, look to their best interests. It is that that shows how closely we are living as sons of God, not our ability to do that to those who make it very easy. Um, that is no better than sinners. Um, sinners can love those who love them. Sinners can be good to those who be good to them. Um, where it takes power from God uh, is when we get nothing back in return and it is very difficult. And then let's jump down to verse uh, 41 of Luke 6. Um, so we're thinking about a person, a relationship that is difficult, and um, our first step is to look inward at ourselves. How, what are our attitudes? What are our actions? And, and then along with that, verse 41 through 42, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So, do we need to be perfect before correcting somebody? I don't think so. Um, in that case, we probably never could, could we? But we should make sure that we're not blinded uh, by envy, jealousy, or hypocrisy. Um, we should look at ourselves to make sure that we're not, that we are, we do have that attitude of love um, that we just talked about. Um, Galatians 5, uh, turn to Galatians 5, the end of Galatians 5, uh, verse 25. And here, Paul talks about um, someone caught in sin. Galatians 5.25 Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Brothers, if someone, this is uh, verse 1 of chapter 6, Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. So I think the attitudes um, that we need to have towards others, uh, that part is clear. We need to have an attitude of love. If someone is caught in sin, we need to reach out to them gently. Um, we need to examine ourselves, make sure that we are not the problem, um, that we're not being hypocritical. And, um, and then we can go on, uh, perhaps, to confronting this, this sin or this offense. So, look at ourselves. And then, and the second uh, main point here is to lead by example, uh, take the first step in reconciliation. Um, and let's read verse, uh, back to Luke 6, verse 37 through 38. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, taken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. 
So, do not judge, do not condemn, uh, forgive. And how often do we do we justify negative feelings or actions um, because of something someone else has done or somebody else has said or the way that they act or respond? Um, I think these verses make it clear that we need to be, we need to take the initiative, take the first step. We need to be first um, in responding the way we would like to be treated. Um, you know, earlier we read the verse, be the others as you would have them be to you, the golden rule. Uh, if everybody waits for the other person, the other party, to take the first step in reconciliation, um, it never happens. Uh, as Christians, we are called to take that first step. Um, and then let what happens happen. Uh, do not judge, and we are told you will not be judged. And, and maybe he's talking about uh, judged by God, but also other people. We are not judgmental. Um, chances are people won't be so judgmental towards us. If we are not condemning, uh, we will likely receive uh, the same attitude from others. And take the first step in forgiveness. How often do we make our behavior conditional on somebody else's behavior? Um, I think Jesus is just calling us to take the first step here. And not, not to embarrass somebody or to guilt them into uh, being nice or compromising or, or um, giving us our way. Uh, but because we genuinely love them and what's the best for them, like, like we talked about uh, in the first section here. So, examine our own heart and, and take the first step in, in dealing with a difficult relationship. How many of you remember uh, or know the name Amber Geiger? Does anybody remember? How about um, both from Jean? Anybody remember hearing those names? Um, I assume they were in the news uh, three, 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 four, three years ago. Um, somehow I missed the story and didn't find out about it until uh, just recently. But Bosom Jean was a 26-year-old black accountant uh, living in Dallas, Texas, and he had moved to the U.S. from St. Lucia uh, in the Caribbean. And... Um, one one night, uh, one evening, and in 2018, he was in his apartment, sitting on his couch, watching TV, and then, um, eating ice cream. Well, Amber Geiger uh, was a 30-year-old white uh, police officer uh, with the Dallas Police Department, and he was coming home from work and was texting. Uh, a man who's not her husband uh, tried to arrange a meeting, and he pulled up to her apartment, uh, walked up the flight of steps, I suppose, and walked up the door of her apartment. And you can probably about imagine where this is going. Um, it wasn't her apartment. It was one floor above her apartment in an identical apartment that looked like hers. And the door was slightly ajar, and she pulled out her handgun, walked in, and then saw a man sitting in her apartment. He had fatally shot him. And that man was both in June. Um, that happened in September 6, 2018. 
in October of 2019, uh, he was convicted of murder and sentenced by a jury to 10 years of prison. And that was far less than the 99 years of prison that he could have received, the maximum penalty. And it was less than half of the 28 years that the prosecution was requesting um, for her. And it seems to a lot of people that, uh, you know, the police were just not being held accountable. No, no black person was safe anywhere, uh, not even in their own apartment. Um, and when this was announced that she received only 10 years, activists outside the courtroom uh, erupted in frustration, saying, no justice, no peace. But inside the courtroom, there was an entirely different scene unfolding. Uh, Bryant Green, who was Bozeman's 18-year-old brother, he was giving a victim impact statement. And here is some of what he, he said to this Amber Geiger, who had killed his older brother. He said, I forgive, and I know if you go to God and ask Him, He will forgive you. And the best would be, you know, a little later in this, in this statement, he said, and the best would be to give your life to Christ. I'm not going to say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person, and I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can I give her a hug, please? And he asked the judge if he could give give this Amber Geiger uh, a hug. And finally the judge agreed, and, um, and they hugged for about a minute in the silent courtroom except for some sobbing. And, and then after that, the judge herself came down and hugged uh, this murderer and gave her a Bible. So while outside the courtroom there were these chance for saying no justice, no peace, Grant was inside offering forgiveness for the, the woman who killed his brother. You know, nothing could change the consequences of her foolish actions. Um, both of them were still dead, and he was going to jail. Uh, but the forgiveness that Grant showed for her, and the genuine concern for her soul, um, that shows us what true Christian love looks like, doesn't it? Um, the desire for revenge was replaced with the desire for Amber's good. And um, the focus on his personal pain was replaced by a focus on Amber's uh, genuine spiritual needs. Uh, she wasn't a, wasn't a Christian, was not a good person, and she had genuine needs. So, I hope that story illustrates um, the difference that God's love in us makes in the way we relate to our brothers. And not just our brothers, uh, those who do us serious harm um, are enemies, you could say. So we look at um, our own attitudes, um, it's clear that we are to take the first step in, in offering forgiveness and seeking reconciliation in relationships. And having done that and, and being in the right place ourselves, uh, there are times where there's, there's sin or an offense that needs to be addressed. And, and let's turn to Matthew 18. Um, 
this is probably a familiar passage, but it's worth reminding ourselves of how Jesus says we have to handle these kinds of situations. Matthew 18, verses 15 to 17. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as he would a pagan or a tax collector. Here we see the progression of dealing with an offense or a, a sin. It calls it a sin against you. Um, you know, it's possible that in talking with somebody, um, you both realize that there was a misunderstanding. Maybe it wasn't as serious as you thought. Um, maybe maybe um, there's an apology. Maybe there was harm done, but things are made right. Uh, and then things are clear again. And... Um, Reconciliation has happened. What is more tempting is to talk to somebody else first. And, and rather than feeling that divide between us and the person who offended us, we extend that little crack um, with somebody else. And now there's a divide between that person and, and the person who offended us. And these cracks just grow bigger and bigger and become more difficult to resolve. Um, you know, obviously, it might not be appropriate in every situation um, if somebody is, is sinned against to, you know, approach the offender by themselves. But I think the principle is clear. Um, we start small, um, dealing ourselves with the issue and trying to settle it. And if that doesn't work, if there's no progress there, you know, then things escalate um, to several people. We take someone with us. And I think this, this is a topic of two things. Um, for one, it, it adds more weight to our, our case, our uh, accusation, or um, uh, what we're troubled about. And, but it also adds some accountability for the person bringing the um, accusation against the brother. Um, if there's nobody else in the congregation who uh, will go with you or who agrees with you, um, you know, perhaps, perhaps the accuser is the problem. And perhaps um, when they seek uh, someone to go with them, perhaps they realize, you know, the problem is here, not with the brother. And there again, things can be resolved and reconciliation can still happen. You know, Jesus uh, quotes, the Old Testament here in verse 16 because it takes one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And that's from Deuteronomy, I think, 19, uh, Deuteronomy 19.15. Which God was concerned back in the Old Testament too about justice and fairness. And he said that one witness was not enough to convict a person. And and then he also said about accountability, too. He said if there's a false witness, um, due to them that they wanted to do to the person they were accusing. Uh, so, getting others um, to join us in approaching a brother who has 
who has a spiritual need uh, is God's, God's approach here, Jesus' method. And if that still has no effect on our brother, um, you know, then the next step is to bring it before the church. And there again, um, the pressure uh, is higher, uh, and the accountability on the, those making the accusations is also higher. Um, so, do we, do we follow these steps? Um, you know, hopefully, looking at ourselves um, and, and taking the first step in reconciliation can, can clear up some of these issues. And hopefully, in the church, when there are offenses, they get no farther than the first step. Or we approach them and we clear things up. But this is, this is God's Peter pattern for dealing with problems in the church. And this shows the steps for reconciliation. There need to be steps. There is opportunity for repentance and reconciliation. But this also shows the steps uh, in the way in which a brother can fall from the level of a brother to a pagan. Uh, it says at the end, if you, if you refuse to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. But it's clear from all of this that I believe that, that the, the, the purpose is reconciliation and restoration. And we see that in 1 Corinthians um, with the immoral brother in the church who Paul said, cast him out. Um, he's worse than even, his sin is worse than even what pagans are doing. But in, in 2 Corinthians, we see that, that Paul wanted to bring him back. After he was sorry for his sin, Paul was, he was, his goal was restoration and reconciliation. Um, so wrapping up here, um, I guess I guess the, maybe the main takeaway from from this little study is that that it is our our behavior in difficult relationships that shows the extent to which we're living as as sons of God, and not how well we do in the best relationships. Um, God's Word tells us how to deal with difficult relationships. Um, we must deal with them. It's just that sometimes the problem is right here instead of with them. Um, and if that's where it is, that needs to be dealt with as well. Um, we need to look inward, look at ourselves. Are we, do we have attitudes of love? Are we doing good? Are we, do we have actions of love? Are we praying about it? Or are we just frustrated? Are we leading by example? Are we taking the first step in reconciliation? Are we following the golden rule, um, treating others as we would have them treat us, even before they treat us that way? And when all else fails, are we confronting sin and offenses with the goal of restoration and reconciliation. Um, just as the terrible tragedy, tragedy of both and Jean's death had a beautiful ending, um, difficult relationships in our lives can, can become something beautiful too. If we seek the eternal good of others and, and deal with those relationships God's way. Thank you.